Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, so let's dive into the scripture uh, we're going to be speaking out, which is 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 30 through 39. A little context on this scripture they're about to pick up on. Um, so Israel's king Ahab... Um, he has been really turning his back on God. He's been wicked towards God. Um, he has been worshiping a false odd idol, um, Baal. They've been, he's been worshiping Baal. And, and even with that, he, he married a, a woman named Jezebel who practiced witchcraft, who um, put down the people of God. It says that Jezebel even killed the prophets of God. So right now, Ahab and, and, and his queen, they're they're being wicked in God's eyes, and they're turning the country of Israel against God. So because of this, um, it says in Scripture that God causes a drought to happen over Israel. And for three years, there's no water, there's no rain. And so all the rivers dried up, causing, you know, a famine to happen. And so people are starving right now. Uh, Israel is hurting right now. It says all their livestock have died, all their crops have withered away. And so they're in a tough season right now. And um, so this is where we find ourselves. And so Elijah, uh, who is the prophet of God, he, he challenges the uh, prophets of Baal. He challenges to a challenge, which was he, he challenged both sides, himself and the prophets of Baal, to create an, an altar um, towards their God. They, they created an altar towards um, the, the God, the false god Baal. And Elijah made an altar for, for, uh, for God. And the challenge was this, and some, some of y'all know it, is that he said that if your God is real, we'll both pray to our gods, and the real God will respond with fire. And so that was the challenge. And so the, the, the prophets of Baal, they created their altar. They created their sacrifice. It says in Scripture that there was 450 prophets of Baal. And they were praying to their, to their God all day. They were praying to Baal all day. Um, and the context behind that is that they thought that Baal was the, was the God of, of the sky, the God of, of weather. And so Elijah was really testing who they really believed in. And so they were, the prophets of Baal are sacrificing. They're praying all day. And it says that nothing's happening. That, you know, they're, that, that God that they believe in, the, the uh, worshiping Baal, he doesn't respond and it says they go to extent the prophets of Baal. They're like cutting themselves or doing all these weird things, trying to get a response back from something that's not real and it's not happening. And then after all that happens, uh, this is where we p- pick up in Scripture um, in verse 30. I'm sorry, that was a lot of context, but it's all going to make sense, okay? So we pick up in verse 30, and it says this. It says, then Elijah called to the people. This is the people of Israel. He says, come over here. And they all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each tribe of Israel, and he used the stones to build the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, Fill four jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did, as he said. Verse 35. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. 
At the usual time for offering the the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will will know that you, O Lord, are, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull and the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, saying, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And then later this day, later in Scripture, after God responds with fire, it says that later that day that then God sends rain and he quenches the thirst of Israel and they end the drought right there. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight's message. Say the breakdown of the breakthrough. Let's pray over tonight's service. Come on, pray with me. Let's stir up the spirit right now. Father, we thank you that tonight, God, we are under your will, Father, that we have no motives other than seeing you love on people, other than seeing you move in us, God. So right now, let this message fall on open minds and soft hearts that we are willing, God, to lean into your spirit in this moment, to soak up every word, Father, that you want to say, because, Holy Spirit, you have free reign, not us, God, that we just want you to move and do what you do best, which is turning people from the inside out and is making lives better than they were before, God. We love you, Jesus, and we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, and everybody says, amen, amen, amen. So Israel, like I said, they have found themselves in a tough spot. They have found themselves in a season where they are in a dry season, both physically and spiritually. See, not only has it been a drought for three years, but they have been serving a false god for three years. They haven't been communicating with the true God in heaven. So not, all, not only are they starving physically, but they're also starving spiritually. And Israel is in a bad need for a breakthrough. I mean, has anybody in the house ever been in need for a breakthrough in life? Like things just aren't working out. You feel dry on the inside, like you're trying to do something. You know something needs to be done, but you just don't know what needs to be done. And, and so that's the Israel right now. They, they're in a season where they're lost. They're confused. They, they, they don't know what to do. They see themselves hurting. They see, see their, their family members dying. They, they see their country hurting. They're, they're in a season right now, a, a dry season, and they need a breakthrough. So tonight we're going to uh, be breaking down the passage we just read. And we're going to see the different things and points that led to Israel's breakthrough. Let's revisit verse 30 one more time. And it said this in verse 30. I just want to look at it one more time. It says, then Elijah called to the people. He said, come over here. And they all crowded around him as he repaired. Everybody say repaired. The altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each tribe of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild, everybody say rebuild, the altar in the name of the Lord. So it says in Scripture, we just read that he had to repair and rebuild something, which means that previously or in the past, that there had already been an altar there that was made to the Lord. There had already had been something, an altar or, or whatever it was, there previously already but it just had been torn down by something. So, so something had been torn down, and God was building it back up. 
And I, you know, have no doubt that the, the people who tore it down most likely was probably Jezebel and the, and the prophets of Baal because, you know, remember Jezebel is really hates God and is, hates the people of God and, and she's killing all the prophets of God as she can. So if she's doing that, then she, she might have or probably did tear down any altar to God that she could. I'm saying all that because it says in Scripture that God used what seemed to be broken— that seemed to be torn down. God used what seemed to be destroyed to be the foundation of Israel's breakthrough. God was using something that was forgotten. God was using something that had been erased or that had thought had been, been erased, that something that the enemy thought had destroyed. God was using that for Israel's breakthrough. Point number one for tonight is that God builds with the broken. Come on, somebody. God builds with the broken. See, God will use the areas in your life, God will use the places in your life that you think are broken. That's what I learned about God. He will use the places in your life that you have been forgotten. He will restart those dreams that you thought were dead. He will spark a life on the inside of you that you thought was already over. See, that's what's powerful about our God is that he will use the areas of life that we thought was destroyed. Have you ever felt destroyed by the enemy in some areas? Have you ever felt like you were fighting against something and that the enemy was tearing you down, and, and you've kind of given up, and you've kind of thought there's no going back or there's no out of this, that the, that the enemy is really attacking me in this area, and I don't think I can ever get out of it. Well, God will use the areas that you thought were destroyed to build upon and resurrect it. Right? He will use the areas that, that you thought you weren't no good at. He will use the talent that you gave up on. He will use the dreams that you thought were, were dead. He will use the business ideas that you thought were crazy. He will use those things and resurrect them. But why does God do this? Or why, why does God use the broken things? Why does God use what we, the things that we thought were dead and forgotten? It's because God is the one, right, who has resurrection power. Amen? It says in Scripture that God will use the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He will use the, the powerless things of the world to confound the powerful. He will use the things where I am weak. What it says, it says where I'm weak, he is strong. Help me out. So if God can do that, I believe he doesn't do that for no reason. I believe he does, does that for a reason. Because who knows that if God uses the broken things in my life, if he uses the dead things in my life and resurrects it, if he used the things that I have given up on, but then he gets in the middle of it and he turns it around for good. Who knows that if he does that, we can't take credit, right? If, if he builds something, if he builds something that was broken, who knows that we can't take credit for it being built. We can say, hey, and when somebody asks us and they look at our lives, they say, man, Caleb, how did you do that? Man, so-and-so, how did you do that? And you can say, well, it definitely wasn't by my strength that it happened, Right? Matter of fact, I gave up. Matter of fact, I have given up. Matter of fact, I thought that talent was dead. And matter of fact, I thought I didn't have a chance. And matter of fact, I thought it was over, right? And then all of a sudden, the power of God entered what I thought was dead and transformed it from the inside out. And then when people talk to you about your testimony, you can say, hey, it doesn't have nothing to do about me. Because I, th I gave up. I've given up. There might be people in the room who have given up, gave up thought some things didn't, weren't worth it, you know, some things that the enemy has destroyed. I mean, there's some areas in our lives that, man, God wants to resurrect because there's people who's going to watch your resurrection. That's going to change them as well. Amen. 
And I know this, right? If God can resurrect something in me, if God can resurrect something in you, right, he can do it in others. And he can do it again. Amen. So what I really want to encourage somebody tonight is don't give up just yet. Don't give in just yet. See, the, the, the real goal of the enemy is for us to give in, to give up. Because he knows that if we let God take a hold of that situation, it doesn't matter how dead that was, he can resurrect it in a moment. See, the enemy knows that if we let God take a hold of our broken things, that if we let God take a hold of the things that we've given up on, that if we let God take a hold of the weak areas in our life, that we're going to be stronger than ever. So I want to encourage somebody tonight, don't give up. Don't give in. It doesn't matter if you think your situation is dead. It doesn't matter if you think those dreams aren't worth it. It doesn't matter if you, if you think you don't have the talent. It doesn't matter if you think you're not good enough. As long as you don't give in to those thoughts, let me tell you something, God's going to show up in a big way. Amen. Because I want to see, sometimes God has to break it down. Come on. Sometimes God has to break it down before he can break it through. Come on. Who can just give God praise for that for a moment? Just to encourage somebody that as long as we don't give up, as long as we just focus on, on God and in the, in the situations thereof, who, let me tell you something, there is nothing that can stop us from accomplishing his purpose in our life. Verse 33 through 34 said this. It said, then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now through it a third time. So they did as he said. So you've got to remember, the people of Israel are in the middle of a drought. It hasn't rained in three years. People are starving, dying of famine. Crops has withered. Their livestock are dead. So right now, the most valuable resource in all of Israel is what? Water. And it just so happened that the one thing that was most valuable to them, most precious to the people of Israel, was the one thing that Elijah asked to be poured over the sacrifice. See, the Israelites didn't know like we know that just after this, just after the sacrifice, that God would send rain. The, the Israelites don't know that. They just know that they're hurting right now, and that it's a drought right now. And that water is way too precious just to be wasting. So the Israelites had to trust God that something would happen if they were willing to give up something that important, right? You see, breakthrough begins with trust. And point number two is that we have to trust God with what you treasure the most. We have to be willing to give God the things that we think we can't live without. I've realized in life that there's ever been something so precious to me that if I'm not willing to give it to God, then what I thought was precious quickly becomes a poison, right? What I thought was so important to me quickly becomes something that's a weakness of mine. Because if I'm not willing to give it to God, then it's not working for me, it's working against me. Amen? So the main thing that is stopping us, stopping us from getting to our breakthrough, stopping us from really stepping into all that God has for us, the main thing that is stopping us is misplaced trust. We trust, we put our trust in things instead of God. We put our trust into things that we have in our hands instead of trusting to put it into God's hands. We, we trust things. We trust the materialistic things. We, we trust the things that the world 
has to offer, and we put more trust in those things than in God, and then we wonder why we can't see our breakthrough. It's because we're misplacing our trust. God can't do a breakthrough for us if we don't trust him to come through for us, right? See, breakthrough begins with trust. We have to be willing to trust him with it. See, we have to trust that God's best is better than our best. At the time, the Israelites had 12 uh, jars of water, right? That's what it says in Scripture, 12 jars of water. And at the time, that was the best and most they had. They had no idea that soon God, if they would give up those 12 jars, they didn't know that God would send, you know, rain and end the drought. They had no idea. At the time, that 12 jars was their best. But they had to be willing to give up their best to receive God's best. And who knows that God's best is way better than our best. I know the, the Israelites could have said, you know, 12 jars of water, like, God, don't you know we're in, a, in the middle of a drought? I mean, why are you asking for 12 jars of water? You know, uh, you know, you know, another, you know, don't want to hurt you on the right, wrong area, but like you could say, God, 10% of, of my finances, don't you know we're in the middle of a recession, right? <laughs> Man, you could say, you know, praying for, for 30 minutes a day, God, don't you know I'm busy? I can't pray for 30. I can't do like, don't you know, like we can respond to God like that if we're not careful. And then we miss out on what God has for us. And we miss out on God's best because we think that our way is better than his way. So we've got to be willing to give up the, the precious things to God. I had, I, when I was reading the scripture, I, I was thinking, you know, why did God or why did Elijah make them bring four jars three different times? You know, why not cut to the chase, God, and bring all 12 jars of water all at once? You know, like have you ever asked God, like, if God has told you all you need to do all at once so you knew what you need to do going into it, wouldn't that be awesome? Like before you took the first step, God told you what the next steps, 10 steps were, so you knew going into it where you're going, what you were doing. I think that if, if God would, have, would, would tell us what he had in store for us and what it would require of us, I don't think we would do it. I think if he told us the full intel of everything that was required of us, I don't think we would have the faith enough to step out. I think that's why he told the Israelites to hey, first bring me four jars, because when he said first bring me four jars, the Israelites are probably like, well, four jars, I mean, it's not 12. I mean, I think I can do four jars. I mean, that's worth the risk. I think four jars is worth the risk of, of maybe God this working out and God sending rain. So, okay, guys, send the four jars. And I can see him, you know, and, you know, I can see Elijah saying, okay, now bring four more. And they're saying, hold up, four more jars. I mean, okay, that's pushing it. That's, you know, that's going to hurt us, but we'll survive, okay? So they send another four jars, and then finally Elijah asked for another four jars, and 12 jars total, and I can see the Israelites saying right now, 12 jars, if I knew that God required 12 jars, I would have never given him four, right? If I knew God required that of me, I would have never stepped out in the first place. I think that's why God does things like that in increments, shows us things one step at a time. Because if he showed us all that we had to walk, who knows, we wouldn't have the faith to walk it. Amen? See, God requires us to go all in. Requires us to give him everything. I believe that when we go all in, and it's why I like going all in on God. Because, see, when you go all in on God, that's when faith gets fun. I mean, that's when faith gets fun. Because now the enemy tries to say, hey, are you sure you need to do this? Are you, are you sure things could not work out? And you just re respond, well, 
I couldn't come back if I wanted to. I already went all in. There ain't no more water to give to you. I gave it all to God. And that's when faith gets fun because then somebody will come with a discouraging word to you and say, are you sure about this Jesus thing? And you can respond, it don't matter. I already went all in. There's no going back now. You see, that's when faith gets fun. Really, when faith gets difficult is when we hold it back. And we're holding back some things from God, and then the enemy tells us, hey, are you sure about this? And you're saying, well, I haven't gone all in yet, so maybe there's still some I can save for, for later. Maybe there's still some I can hold back. And that's when faith gets difficult. That's when, you know, we give in to discouragement. That's when we give in to people telling us different things. It's because, right, we are still holding back, and we can still have second guesses in our mind. But God wants us to go all in, all in on him. See, throughout Scripture, water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, it says this. It says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered his glory yet. In John chapter 4, verse 14, it says, But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, all throughout Scripture, water is symbolism of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Kings chapter 18, 35, in the Scripture we read, we'll read it again. In verse 35, it says that, And the water ran around the altar... It, and even filled the trench. See, I've learned that life, man, life can be confusing. Life can feel defeating at times. Life can feel like we have nowhere to go. Life can send us situations like the Israelites were in that can feel hopeless. But I have also learned that it doesn't matter how hopeless or, or, or how defeated I feel, that the moment that I choose to drop on my knees... The moment that I choose to send prayers up to heaven, the moment that I choose to begin to pray in the spirit, who knows that something begins to change on the inside of us? Who knows something begins to change and, and all of a sudden that hopelessness we feel, the defeating that we feel, the, the, the hurting that we feel, all of a sudden it begins to go away. And all of a sudden we feel like what we once fell victim to, we now have victor over. And it's not because anything changed around us, but because something changed on the inside of us. So I've learned that in every moment that I go through life, that I have to have Jesus every step of the way. Amen. I've learned that in every situation that life throws at me, I have to make sure that the Holy Spirit is around it as well. You see, that's point number three, is that we have to let the Holy Spirit saturate our situation. Saturate our situation. See, whatever you're going through, whatever that the enemy is trying to convince you of, whatever that situation you find so defeating, I want to tell you that there's a solution. I want to tell you that it says there's rest. I want to tell you that there's, a, there's something that, that God has offered and gifted us with that the Israelites didn't have, but that we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And who knows that when we confront situations with the Spirit, that we never lose. Amen? You see, we have to let the Holy Spirit 
lead us every step of the way. And that's what I've been learning my long 24 years of life, right? I've learned that if I just let Holy, the Holy Spirit take the lead, I will never be in the loss column, right? If I let the Holy Spirit take the lead, I will never see my, my, the, the ones, uh, the situation around me lose. I, I've learned that if I let the Holy Spirit lead me in life, the hurting, the pain, the, the things that the enemy tries to throw at me, all of a sudden it's lifted from me. You see, the scripture says that the water filled even the trenches, even the trenches. See, you have to let the Holy Spirit in every space of your life. You can't just let him have the good places. You need to let him have the scary places as well. You can't let the Holy Spirit this in during the happy times, but during the hurting times as well. There's a lot of us who, who felt like this, the weight of the world was too heavy, but when we enter it with the Holy Spirit, who knows that he makes us light and he gives us rest in these moments. I've learned that the more I hand over to him, the more secure I feel. And that's what's awesome about the Holy Spirit is that the world will tell you that if you want control, you need, to, you need to take control of your life yourself, right? That if you want the best to happen, then you need to make sure that you go out and make it happen yourself. And you take control and you be the one and you lead yourself and you do the things that make you feel good. And you do the things that you think feels right. But what I learned that the more control I give to him, the more control my life becomes, Right? The more control I give to him, the less out of control my life becomes. I actually learned the flip side, that the more I try to control my life, the more out of control it becomes. You see, the world is teaching us the opposite of the world is trying to teach us. The, 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 the word wants us to, to give him full control, to give him all the leading, because if we do that, who knows, we never miss the will of God in our lives. Will you stand with me tonight? I'm closing. In verse 31, it says, he took 12 stones. When he, he, said he called the people of Israel over and he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. Remember, Israel is in need of a breakthrough. They're confused. They're they don't know what to do. They, they don't know where to go. And with these confused people of Israel around Elijah, Elijah calls the people of Israel over to him. And he begins to take these stones, each stone representing the 12 tribes of Israel. I think what Elijah was showing them was he was picking up a stone which represented them. He said, this represents you. And he began to build the altar with it. He began to say, hey, you are a part of this. You are part of the solution. You are the parts of what we are doing. I want to close with this thought, which is breakthrough starts with you. Breakthrough starts with you. What, what Elijah was telling the Israelites when he was building that altar, when he was building it, what he was telling them, he say, if this is going to happen, it's going to start with you. These 12 stones that we're building, this is representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So if there's a breakthrough that's going to happen today, like I believe that if there's going to be a breakthrough that's going to happen tonight in your life, if there's going to be something that frees you tonight, if you're going to leave this building tonight freer than what you walked in, if that's going to happen tonight, then it's going to start with you. Amen. 
Because breakthrough starts with belief. If you don't believe it's going to happen, you're not going to see it. Breakthrough starts with you because if you don't trust God for it to happen, you're not going to see it. it. It starts with you. And, and the picture God, God tells us, like, it's, like, it's like God is asking us to take that one step of faith, that one step of, of the unknown, that one step of not knowing if it's going to happen or not. And when you take that one step, what's awesome about God is that then all you have to take is that one step and he'll take the 99. He'll do the rest. But it starts with you. See, that breakthrough might, might seem large. That, that breakthrough that you need in your life might seem like it will never happen. That, that breakthrough in your life might say, I don't know how I'm, I can do this, CJ. I don't know how I can restore my marriage. I don't know how I, I can get over this addiction. I don't know how I can control my kids. I don't know how to do it. It's, it's too big for me. I, I don't think I can handle it. But when breakthrough starts with you, you just have to take that first step. Say, God, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I believe you can do it. So I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take that first step of faith, and then you're going to watch God take the 99 steps that it takes, the 99 steps that you couldn't take on your own. He's going to meet you there, and you're going to see your breakthrough in your life. Man, I, want, I always want to pray over tonight, and we're going to sing a couple songs in a little bit, but what I want to pray over tonight is that we see the breakthrough that we're looking for. You see, Israel was looking for a breakthrough, and they didn't know where to go. They were confused. They were scared. They, they were scared for their loved ones. They were in the middle of a drought. They were in an unknown season, like some of us might find it, us ourselves in an unknown season tonight. But I want the Holy Spirit just to free us from that tonight, for us to find our breakthrough, for whatever it is. Because church family, we don't have to leave this building the same people you walked in it as. What I love about Jesus is that he wants the best for us. So much so that he doesn't want us to stay the same people we are today. He wants us to grow. So with every head lifted, with every head bowed, let's just draw a circle around ourselves and let's let in the Holy Spirit into this place and let's just speak faith in the atmosphere. Let's speak life into the atmosphere. That if you need a miracle in your physical body, if you need a miracle in your spiritual man, if you need a breakthrough in your marriage, that if, if you need faith to be sparked up again, whatever you need, that breakthrough that you need, the Holy Spirit knows what it, what it needs. The Holy Spirit knows how to make it happen. So let's just throw a circle around ourselves tonight and let's sing a song and let's lift up our praises unto heaven. Let's give our worship unto him and let's watch breakthrough happen tonight. So come on, let's sing a song. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.